Welcome in to Rover Sports, the show. I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Um, we are out here live uh, talking to you guys about the New York football giants tonight. Tonight's podcast is going to be about the New York Giants. I want to thank all my fans for going out there and listening to this podcast, for subscribing. You guys mean the world to me. I want to say thank you. Um, without you guys, you know, this podcast wouldn't be anywhere. So for the listeners, thank you so much. And also for the listeners, I mean, you guys should tell me what, what to talk about. Um, you guys should come up with podcast discussions. You know, I was trying the other day. I wanted to get Lawrence Tynes to come on this podcast uh, because the three times a charm game, I mean, I was back in uh, in seventh grade when that happened, when Lawrence kicked it the third time and he pull hooked the the, the he pull hooked those field goals so badly and you know for Lawrence to hit those field goals um it, it was just an incredible memory Tom Coughlin out there in the cold I thought that the Giants as an organization I thought that they were cursed when Lawrence Tynes went out there for that field goal and he pull hooked the first two field goals but then the last field goal he 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 drew it in Brett Favre threw the interception to Corey Webster and the Giants went on the then kick a field goal there to win the football game. I mean, that was just an incredible moment for the New York football Giants, for our franchise to then be headed to the Super Bowl to play New England, the undefeated Patriots. But Plexico had a great game. Eli and Plex were torching Al Harris that game on slant routes. Al Harris couldn't check Plexico Burris at the line of scrimmage. It was an incredible, incredible atmosphere, an incredible, incredible football game. And uh, we were all blessed to be a part of it as Giants fans. And it was really that football game was the most dramatic football game I've ever watched in terms of the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of that football game. Because the Giants in that game, they were going back with Green Bay. You know, Brett Favre would throw a touchdown to Donald Driver. He would throw like a an 80-yard touchdown to like Donald Driver. Eli would then come back. Eli would then go and, you know, he would hit, you know, Plexico. Brandon Jacobs would be running on the ground. It was just a wonderful 23-20 to 20 football game. It was very competitive. It was extremely cold. And the game seemed to feel like it took days to be a part of. But just winning that football game, getting your first ever championship as a fan, there was no feeling like it. And to do it in that way, when that field goal went in, I mean, I'll always remember where I was. I'll always remember the people that were around me. I I doused, you know, I doused Gatorade. I doused iced tea. I doused everything onto my body after that football game. I went outside. I, I even had friends in middle school, but I didn't give a damn. I went outside. I took Gatorade. I took iced tea, and I doused that all over my body and all over my head, made a mess all over the garage, but I didn't care. We were going to Arizona. We were going to Phoenix. We were going out to the desert, the Great West, to try to take home our prize versus the 18 and no Patriots. So that's my Giants memory of the day that just came into my head is Lawrence Tynes. And I would love to interview him. And if I were to ask Lawrence Tynes questions, I was going to ask like what 
was that moment like with six minutes left when you had a 32-yarder, you missed it. You have to look at, at Michael Strahan. You have to look at all these guys that are so tough that play these position groups, and you have to kind of look at them, or you have to go back to your corner, and you just kind of have to pray because do you, do you even think about the wrath of losing the game and the media and New York and everybody like that that's going to be watching the game? I guess you can't think in that way. you got to think about, you know, the, the form. I got to draw this football. I got to hit this football right to left. So you have to think about those things, you know, when you go into a kick and then Lawrence got his opportunity back. Anyway, right now I am going to talk about Pat Shermer. I'm going to talk about Pat. I'm going to talk about this season, my expectations for this season and for Pat, what I want Pat to do. So the first five minutes were dedicated to Lawrence Tynes. And for the rest of this podcast, what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about Pat Shermer. I'm going to talk about the entire roster and what I want to see from the New York Giants come football season. So this is what I'm going to talk about here on Rover Sports. Again, I'm a part of 610 AM ESPN Radio in Philadelphia. I do have a show in Philadelphia, but we are talking Giants football today on the show. And it's a pleasure to be talking Giants football with you guys. So we are a part of 610 AM ESPN. Show is Wednesday nights, but I'm also going to be putting this podcast out on iTunes. And also after each and every football game, whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Joshua Rosen, whether it's whether it's Josh Allen, we're going to be breaking down quarterback film reviews for these rookies because I'm so excited about preseason football. A lot of people are not excited about preseason football. And those people, I don't know what the heck they do in August. I mean, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, do you ever go to the bar? You try to get with women. You try to get numbers. And then you wake up the next day. You're hungover. You're messed up. And then you miss all this beautiful rookie quarterbacking football. I mean, the guys that go out to the clubs in the middle of August, it's a beautiful time for football. Go to a driving range, go play some golf, come back in your dang house, okay? Download the NFL Game Pass. You probably go to the casino. You spend $100 on the dang casino. Go to your house, okay? And go ahead and purchase NFL Game Pass. Purchase Game Pass for your house, okay? Go on your computer screen and you damn near should watch every single rookie quarterback. I mean, aren't you excited to see how Josh Allen does this preseason? This is a guy that took all this scrutiny. Josh Allen, 63% completion percentage. Joshua Allen, 63 in college. No, it was lower. It was 58. That's all anyone talked about. Josh Allen's a bust. He's Jamarcus Russell. He's Kyle Bowler. He doesn't have a big-time arm, or he does have a big-time arm, and that's the only redeeming quality. He's not accurate. He can't read the defense. He's from Wyoming Division II school. That's what everybody says about Josh Allen. I'm curious to see, because Josh Allen's from a farm, farmer's mentality, fireball California. Can Josh Allen, can he shock the world, compete with A.J. McCarron in this quarterback competition in Buffalo? Panthers, Bills, 7 o'clock. Eight seven o'clock, August seventh. I cannot wait for that football game. I cannot wait to see Josh Allen playing football 
For the Buffalo Bills, I cannot wait to see it. It's going to be a very intriguing matchup there against the Carolina Panthers. But anyway, I said that this podcast would not be about rookie quarterbacks. I can talk rookie quarterbacks till cows come home. I can do that. Um, I was talking about preseason. I'm very excited for preseason football. I'm excited to see for the Giants, specifically Lorenzo Carter off of the edge. You know, he went from Georgia. He's a Georgia dog. I'm excited to see him in this uh, in this defense with James Betcher, how they're going to utilize him. I want to see Olivier fresh because Olivier, you know, he quit on some plays last year. He is not the strongest guy. He's more based on speed. I think that this Betcher system will help him. I want to see Eli Apple. I want to see him cover some mainstream wide receivers in the first two series. I want to see him check. I want to see him use the 6-2 frame to get some hands on some people. And I want to see what Eli Apple can do. Janoris Jack Rabbit Jenkins. We had all the drama in the summer from Janoris, but he's going to be back out playing football. He's probably blessed to be able to still play the game. And he is going to go out and he's going to show, could he be the guy that locked down Des Bryant? Is he worth all that money? Okay. Because the Giants, I think they're paying him near like 15, 20, $20 million a year, he's got to be a number one corner in this league for the New York Giants. Then you look at the offense. You have Brett, Brett Jones, you have Patrick Omena. You heard from Ben McAdoo, which was very interesting, that Weston Richburg and Pugh were weak links on that offensive line, but the the popular percentage was that Pugh was actually a good offensive lineman, that Weston Richburg was a good center in this league. So it's interesting now to see Weston out in San Francisco where he is valued, but the Giants have new offensive linemen. Patrick Omana is on the offensive line, along with Nate Solder coming in from New England. I think Nate, you know, is a guy that blocked for Tom Brady. He is reliable. He played in the New England Patriots defense uh, offensive line. He is going to be a reliable, reliable offensive lineman, Nate Solder. So I am really excited to see what he's going to bring. And then one of my favorite players of all of training camp, we then have Will Hernandez, Willie Hernandez from the University of Texas, El Paso. This guy is so aggressive. He's getting into fights in practice. He played for an 0-12 UTEP team last year. He's a complete mauler. There is no bust in this guy whatsoever, and he is fearless as a rookie, okay? If you mess with Saquon Barkley, he doesn't take any bleep, okay? He doesn't take anything doesn't take any crap from anybody. And that's the type of football that the Giants have been missing. The Giants have played a soft West Coast offense, throw the ball 40 times type of football. The Giants of old are tough, New Jersey-based people that put their hand in the dirt and they fight and they battle and they represent the people of New Jersey. They represent the hard blue-collar working class of New Jersey, of New York. That's what the Giants represent. It's defense. It's running the football. It's trench warfare. And that is what I want to see the Giants go back to doing. I don't want to see Eli Manning throwing the ball 40 times. And also Eli Manning is better when he's only throwing it 25 times and he's able to take shots down the field off of play action fakes. And Eli doesn't have to go. Eli doesn't have to go and throw it 40 times. And when he's throwing it that amount of times in a short quadrum of space, the odds of an interception from Eli Manning 
the odds of him getting picked off, they 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 go up immensely. The odds of Eli Manning getting intercepted, I mean, that goes up immensely when Eli Manning is playing quarterback for the Giants because in space, Eli Manning shouldn't be throwing the football. He shouldn't be throwing it that amount of time. So I'm curious to see with the New York Giants, with Eli Manning, how they will handle him. And I believe Pat Shermer will handle Eli Manning very, very efficiently and very, very well. So with the New York Giants, the defense, I think, is going to be pretty decent. And I am really, let me tell you about this team. Let me tell you about the New York Giants. The New York Giants, the New York Giants are winning the NFC East this year. I'm just telling you guys that. I believe in the Giants. I believe in them beating the Philadelphia Eagles this year. The Eagles, the reason they won't be as good, I'll tell you why the Eagles won't be as good. They, they already are fighting over the White House issue. They didn't go to the White House at all. Carson Wentz is hurt. He could be jealous of Nick Foles. The offensive line, Jason Peters is getting older. Uh, Jason Kelsey thinks he's accomplished everything. He's not going to play with the same drive, passion, and energy. He's getting up there in age as well. Fletcher Cox, all these guys are paid. They're fat, happy, and sassy. These guys are not going to want to work as hard as the New York Giants. The motivational factor is so in the Giants' favor. The Giants are going to come out with their hair on fire. Eli Manning is 37 years old. He doesn't have time to wait. He doesn't have time to wait and have good to mediocre years without winning a chip. If he wants to be mentioned in the same realm as John Elway, in the same realm as Terry Bradshaw, in the same realm as Troy Aikman, as guys that have won three, four championships, if he wants to take himself to a top 10 level like his brother, he needs to win another Super Bowl, and it's possible this year. It is. Pat Shermer's a very good offensive coordinator. He made the Vikings into a great offense with Case Keenum, of all people. Case Keenum couldn't cut it in Houston. Case Keenum could not cut it with the L.A. Rams one lick. I mean, he was lucky to start a game in Houston, Case Keenum. And Pat Shermer made Case Keenum into a guy that couldn't be beat at home. He simplified the offense. He played to his strengths. Dalvin Cook, the guys, Latavius Murray, they ran that football last year with a mediocre to poor offensive line. He took Adam Phelan from an undrafted kid from Minnesota State, and he made him darn near one of the best wide receivers in all of football. And that's what Pat Shermer is going to be bringing to the New York Giants this year. For that, I cannot wait to see what Patrick does with this team. And he also, his personality is calm. He simplifies the game of football. He does not make it too complicated. Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo was a scientist. He thought, you know what, you need to get this much sleep. You need to run this particular route. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to, you know, you need to cut it off here. You need to cut it off there. Ben McAdoo called all his plays, all the plays. It's all scheme, scheme, scheme. No heart, no fundamental, just scheme, scheme, scheme. Our play is going to work. I don't care who's running the damn system. Scheme, scheme, scheme. 
He had no personality, no leadership skills. He could not motivate a team. He could not light a fire. He couldn't, he couldn't fire up a damn fire pit. That's what Ben McAdoo was. Ben McAdoo, he couldn't do listen, he could he can't even get along. Ben McAdoo, honestly, he would find a way to upset. Let me think of like the nicest guy in the freaking world. Sam Darnold will like get mad, you know, will get mad at Ben McAdoo. Eli Manning, these guys are all salt of the earth. You know, let's think of a salt of the earth, like nicest, nicest individual. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota probably hate Ben McAdoo. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter Ben McAdoo coming at them. And uh, and I'll tell you what about Ben McAdoo. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about Ben is that the way that he coached, the way that he was in New York, I mean, it was despicable. What Ben did to our franchise, what Ben did to our team, it was very, very upsetting. And um, and, and as a Giants fan, it just took the life out of me because I couldn't support this person that was being evil towards Eli Manning, that was being evil towards our staff, that was treating players really poorly. And as and I wasn't proud to represent this guy. And I knew that when the Lions game happened, when the Dallas Cowboys game happened, I knew right after the Monday night game that the Giants needed to fire Ben McAdoo because he had all year long to prepare for the Dallas Cowboys week one. And that was an egg of all eggs. And then the Giants, too, in week two, they, their offense was just downright putrid. It was vomit. It was horrible. There was no rhythm. Nothing was sustained. It was just disgusting, disgusting, a, a, a horrific offensive attack from the New York football giants in week two against the Detroit Lions. And then I knew from that point on that Ben McAdoo wasn't going to be the head coach of the giants. And then came the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, where even though they made a comeback, that game was such a fluke. The giants in the first half couldn't move the ball. They only were throwing slants. They couldn't even run the football. It was so embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch a team that literally could not run the ball without getting stuffed for a one-yard loss. That's like the most demasculating thing in the world, emasculating. It made you feel like a neutered cat going into that football game and not being able to run the ball one yard against the Eagles. I didn't care if Eli Manning threw for 10,000 yards and the Giants beat the Eagles 300 to freaking five, or if they came back and won that game. You cannot have an offense that that in a football game cannot run the ball, and and from that point on, I was I I was as done. Nothing was ever going to bring me back to Ben McAdoo. I didn't even care about the. I did care a lot about how he benched Eli because that was just disrespectful to Eli Manning. But at that point, I, the season was over. Uh, as a Giants fan, I can honestly say this. When the Tampa Bay game was going on, I was rooting for the Bucs to beat Ben because I wanted Ben fired. I didn't care. If the Giants went 7-9 and nine and Ben stayed because, you know, the Odell got injured thing and they found a way to win a couple of the close games that they ended up losing, like the Chargers, like, you know, the, uh, the Eagles, maybe if they won a couple of those games earlier in the season last year. I know the Rams was a blowout, so I know some of these football games were uh, were big time blowouts. But 
the bottom line about Ben McAdoo is I'm so happy he's fired. And Pat Shermer is going to bring, he's, he brings stability. He's calm. He's a calm individual. You cannot fluster Patrick Shermer. You cannot. Pat is calm. He is older. He's experienced. He knows the game of football. He knows the league. He knows how to treat players. He knows how to deal with them. He knows how to mentor them. He did that in Philly. He's been to Cleveland. He's been to Minneapolis of Mike Zimmer. He knows what success is all about. He also knows what failure and culture is about. He knows what Chip Kelly and he knows the Haslam's. He knows what failure is, and he will prevent failure at all costs. And Eli and Shermer, Shermer simplifies the game. He's like, we just got to catch it. We got to run it and catch it. That's what he says to the media. We got to throw better. We got to block. We got to be stronger than the other team. We got to be a physical, you know, mean, nasty football team. And that's why he did interject Snacks Harrison from the skirmish. With Will Hernandez, he didn't because he encourages that type of hard-nosed behavior because that's what New Jerseyans all about. That's what the New York Giants are about. So for this season, I don't see Dallas competing with the Giants. Okay, um, I don't see that defense. Okay, Jalen Smith's a good player, all right, but can he stay healthy? Can he be consistent? Sean Lee is older and always gets hurt. Jadobia Woozy, no. Jordan Lewis, eh. Orlando Skandrick is gone out of that system completely. And then you look at the safeties. Byron Jones is a good player. I don't even know who the other safety is. It's Jeff Heath. That's not even that good of a defense, okay? Then Demarcus Lawrence on the defensive line, Malik Collins from Nebraska smoking pot every single summer. He's not even that good of a player either. Tyrone Crawford's an okay player. Uh, I talked about Demarcus Lawrence, I believe. Uh, Did they have Randy Gregory on their team? They might. They might also have Gregory. Uh, from uh, from the University of Nebraska. But the Dallas Cowboys, the reason I don't believe in Dallas is I don't believe in Jason Garrett as a head coach. I don't. Jason Garrett is not a great game day head coach. He's not a great motivator. He doesn't attack defenses. He's way too calm. He doesn't know when to fire it up and get in players' faces. He does not know how to do that. And that is why with Jason Garrett, he's stale, he loses big games, and he waits for the other teams to take defeat, to take the win from him. He doesn't have a killer instinct in his body. He's from Princeton. He's light. He's soft as a feather. He's Jerry's puppet. Jerry's puppet. That's the reason that he's staying in Dallas. That's the reason it's harmonious, because he'll do what Jerry tells him. And as the owner, you want a head coach that is going to go to your demands. You have Rod Marinelli, whose whole defense has been not break because the defense has just been undersupplied. But Marinelli is not even that strategic. They don't get a lot of turnovers. Their whole defense is they'll yield you five yards and they'll try to be would-be tacklers. But they won't make explosive splash plays that'll win you football games. They're not going to be Seattle. They're not going to be Denver. Even Minnesota last year made splash plays. Look at the AFC. Jacksonville made very splash plays. The Buffalo Bills at times, their defense would get scoops and scores would get fumbles. The Dallas Cowboys defense, they don't make splash plays on you. They don't. They don't sack the quarterback. They don't make splash plays. The best they can do is three and out and ball control. With the offensive line, Dak Prescott, that's a quarterback that I don't believe is going to be playing very long in this league. He has average arm strength. He's a very good leader, good intangibles, but the tangibles of Dak Prescott, the tangibles of throwing the football, of being able to hold the ball, to be able to sit in the pocket and be able to hit second level throws. He cannot hit a throw over 35 yards, and that release is slow, and his processing speed is slow. His footwork in the pocket is slow. 
He is not an electric arm talent. That's why he's a fourth rounder for a damn reason. Okay. Dak Prescott ain't going to scare anybody and he isn't going to take the NFC East from the New York Giants. Eli Manning, Davis Webb, Kyle Lawletta. Eli is efficient. Eli Manning. Everybody wants to talk now about how Eli is regressing. He finally has an offense that suits him, and he's going to be complimented beautifully. He doesn't need to force feed it to Odell Beckham. The Giants just need to win games, not turn the ball over, move the ball, give their defense time to rest, because with Ben McAdoo, the, the time of possession was an embarrassment. And I just want to see time of possession nice. I want to see this defense rested. The Giants defense is going to be a huge weapon this year. With the guys that I've mentioned before, Olivier, Lorenzo Carter off the edge is going to be absolutely spectacular. Kerry Wynn is going to go in here and get some sacks. B.J. Hill snacks are going to clog up the middle of the defensive line. The defensive line, Dalvin Tomlinson's going to make plays. Alec Ogletree is going to come down and blitz from his from his backer position. B.J. Goodson is going to be a guy that gets on the field, and he's going to be a guy that produces this season. So looking at B.J. Goodson, the New York Giants, the defense, I trust it. I trust B.J. Goodson. I'll tell you what as well. I trust Darian Thompson. I think the guy out of Boise State has a lot, a lot of talent. I am ready to see what Darian Thompson can do at this next level. So I am excited about the Giants' nucleus. And then the Washington Redskins are the last team to beat, and I'm going to have to give a more compelling reason why I think the Giants are going to win the East from the Eagles at the end of this podcast. But the Washington Redskins, Alex Smith is a quarterback that's never been able to win playoff games. You know, when he was in Kansas City, he lost to the Chiefs late in the playoffs. When Alex Smith went into the playoffs this year, he was up two touchdowns. He couldn't close the door. Alex Smith, he had a great game versus the Patriots week one. He does not carry that over to, to, to consistency. He does not turn it over. He does have quick feet, but his arm talent, his arm strength, he shrivels up. He does not have the self-confidence to make big throws. He is not an explosive quarterback. The Redskins lose Terrell Pryor. They only are tracking out Josh Doxson and Jamison Crowder as their wide receivers. Jordan Reed oftentimes gets injured. Brandon Scherf, Trent Williams, it is a good offensive line, okay? I think that they have a long brother on their offensive line. The Redskins have a good offensive line unit. They do. It's not a terrible offensive line. But in terms of the skill, in terms of Darius Geis being able to be mature enough to run the football, uh, he has maturity issues. We will see. I still might draft him in fantasy. I think he can actually be a decent pro if he gets his head together because he is an aggressive, violent runner. And I've seen him have tremendous games in the SEC, especially that Ole Miss game last year. You know, Darius Geis was absolutely awesome in that game that I watched him versus Ole Miss. Darius Geis uh, is a guy that was an all-purpose back for uh, LSU, even against Texas A&M and even playing in the SEC. So he might help out that offense. Chris Thompson is a change of pace. Chris Thompson can maybe help out. But but Alex Smith is not cutting it at the quarterback position. You are still average defensively, the secondary, the corners. You lose, I believe, um, Breland to the to the to the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. The, the you know in the sign and trade, you're starting. I think Fabian Moreau from uh, from the University 
of, uh, of California, Los Angeles from UCLA. Josh Norman is there. Sua Cravens is lost to Denver after, after he said he was going to retire. DJ Swearinger contemplated retirement. He ha- he's getting hurt. He has a lot of CTE already. DJ Swearinger, he's a good player, but he's also an older player with an injury history. So your secondary is not very good. Your linebackers are old and average linebackers. Zach Brown, Preston Smith or Brown. It's not an impressive linebacking core. The only guy that's worth a damn is Ryan Kerrigan's, and he's a very old player. The middle of the defensive line can be good. You have Duran Payne there. You selected Jonathan Allen last year. So you have guys on the defensive line that should be able to come in and contribute and play well. But last year, Jonathan Allen wasn't playing very well. Do you really believe in Greg Minuski? Do you believe in Jim Tom Sula and this defensive line to really start dominating people and to win this division? Jay Gruden as an offensive coach is inconsistent uh, from week to week. He cannot, you know, close out games. He hasn't been a guy that's been able to win at a super high level in this league. He's an eight and eight, seven and nine coach that is squarely on the chopping block. And his creative game plans, I don't think he is near his brother in terms of his creativity. So I look at Washington. I think they're stale. I think they lack pop. I think their linebackers are weak. I think that their draft picks are wasted picks. Their wide receivers are not elite. Their secondary is not very good. Their defense is not going to dominate people. They're not going to disrupt many things. And their defense is going to be right in the middle of the league average. Their offense is not going to be very good. Their schedule is very difficult. And the Redskins will go 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. The Dallas Cowboys 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. The New York Giants will go 11-5 and 5 this year with this schedule. Being able to beat Jacksonville early, being able to pummel Dallas, being able to come home to play the Saints. The Giants defense is going to be a top five defensive unit. There is no weaknesses on that Giants defense. It is going to be a top five defense. Barkley is going to be up there with Rosen for rookie of the year. Sterling. Odell, it is going to be a big year offensively for the New York Giants. Everybody's going to get on the same page. Eli's going to be comfortable now. He has to get comfortable. They're going to show a lot of urgency. The quarterback room now is more co- is more fluid. Pierre Paul was getting frustrated with the Giants. He is out. Geno Smith is out. I mean, I love Jason Pierre Paul. Think he was a class act for our organization, forever grateful for the championships. But I think he wanted a new, fresh start, and the Giants granted him that. Justin Pugh would talk a lot of smack, but he's an Eagles fan. And oftentimes he was quite distracted. A guy that wanted to get into the media, he would always talk about turning it around. He's a talker, and no substance was going on. Will Hernandez is extremely, extremely an upgrade over Pew. Hernandez actually walks the walk where Pew is a talker. Hernandez is a huge upgrade. Nate Solder is a huge upgrade at the offensive line position. The Giants also add this guy, Beal, Sam Beal from Western Michigan in the supplemental draft. So now you have Jack Rabbit, you have Eli Apple, you have Beal, you have Adams, Darian Thompson, and I didn't even mention on this podcast Landon Collins, the pro bowler, the leader and best player on this defense, and maybe one of the top seven defensive players in the National Football League is on the New York Football Giants. So the Eagles this year, very tough schedule. 
they're now going to be hunted by every team in this league. Doug Peterson's offense is going to be completely dissected. Everybody is going to try to catch up to what Doug has to be offering. And to tell you the truth, guys, I don't know if Doug Peterson, I don't know if Dougie P can sustain this type of success playing for the coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't really think that it is going to happen for Doug Peterson for this Philadelphia Eagles football team because everybody is going to be coming after Doug Peterson. The cover three works against Doug Peterson. If you don't allow him to go one-on-one with his receivers, you force him to run the ball and you're able to stop the run, you need to force Carson Wentz to be able to, because Carson will throw you interceptions. You need to play Carson Wentz kind of like Dallas has played the Eagles. Force the Eagles to throw five-yard outs, make tackles in the open field, and don't let Nelson or Mac Hollins get behind you. Don't do cover one. Don't really blitz Carson Wentz. He's too fast, too athletic. Get home with four guys. And that's why James Betcher, that game plan last year that he had for, with the Arizona Cardinals versus the Eagles, he was running cover zero, and Nelson Aguilar was going over the top on that defense all day long. That was a big, big problem. You got to be able to stuff LeGarrette Blunt. You got to hope that Jay Ajay, that Michael Bennett, and that culture in the locker room really comes apart. And there's a possibility. Nata is there. Uh, Michael Bennett is there, who has had some off the field incidents. Jacksonville, the, the issue at the Super Bowl. So Michael Bennett is going to be a guy that you now put in your locker room that is now has off the field issues. Jay Ajay did not get along with Adam Gase. There's a possibility here that the Eagles can actually fracture. Also, the Eagles have won a Super Bowl. Malcolm Jenkins is older. Some of their defensive linemen, Chris Long, are older, and they've accomplished this. And then you're going to have to look at the kid, uh, Rodney McLeod, that they got from the Rams. Is he going to still play at a high level? Uh, is, Is Jordan Hicks going to be healthy? On paper, the Eagles are good, but this is more of a mental argument. I believe the Eagles will be fatigued. The Giants are more hungry. The Giants get them at home week five on a Thursday night, and that is where the Giants are going to have their leverage is because it's going to be Thursday night. The Giants get two home games. The fans are going to be jacked up. The Giants at that point should be, according to what I believe, three and one on the season, or they're going to be two and two at worst. It is going to be an absolute dogfight against the Eagles. And the Eagles, they have Atlanta coming in. Atlanta will D them up really well. They catch a break, not getting Jameis Winston, but they then go to Tennessee with Matt LaFleur. And I believe Derrick Henry, that could really be a great football game that I want Marcus Mariota to win. And I have confidence that Mariota can win that football game. So, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. It's all about New York Giants all the freaking time. We are almost to training camp. I might go next week, go watch some training camp, tell you how Davis Webb is doing. I got all my Davis Webb jersey. I purchased it. You can purchase a Davis Webb jersey at NFLshop.com. Davis Webb is going to shock this league. He is going to win three Super Bowls himself. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He will be better than Carson Wentz. Book it, guarantee it. He will be 
in the top three quarterbacks for the next 15 years. Davis Webb, first ballot Hall of Famer, zero doubt, take it to the damn bank. No one will outwork Davis Webb. Webb has the touch. He has all the arm talent. He has all the mental capabilities. He knows exactly what the NFL game is about. Shermer will help coach him up, and there's no one that will outwork Davis, and Davis just has a crazy amount of talent, and he's going to put it all together, and it's going to make for a beautiful, beautiful display of quarterbacking. So Lawletta isn't a bad option either. That's what's crazy is that the room is impressive. Lawletta is going to get traded for a really good quarterback, for a really good pick. And Lawletta is going to carve himself out a very nice career. He's going to be a guy that was matched job on the Texans. He's going to be a guy that is an upgraded Trevor Simeon, a little bit of an Alex Smith, a guy that's consistent. Now, I'm not going to say Rivers, maybe Romo and Rivers, maybe that good. I look at Davis Webb being a McNabb, but a McNabb that's able to win Super Bowls. So a pretty damn good quarterback at that. Okay. The, uh, maybe a Ben Roethlisberger career arc for Davis Webb. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for joining into the podcast tonight. It was a very enjoyable live stream with y'all tonight. Talking football, talking about the Eagles, talking about the NFC East, arguing for the New York football giants and why they will win the NFC East. 37 minutes in the books. Rover Sports have a wonderful, wonderful couple of days and i'm gonna be right back with you guys tomorrow we're gonna be talking british open tiger woods is freaking back he battled malinari tough he battled malinari to the bitter end tonight in carnoustie england it was a hell of a u.s open what or a british open it was tremendous tremendous feeder i'll talk to you guys about that whole experience watching tiger watching the guys on the leaderboard i will be back i'll be breaking down british open golf all day tomorrow i love the way that tiger woods was out there playing the golf course i mean he played it perfectly so i i will talk to you guys about the british open i'll talk to you guys about tiger woods's career arc i'll talk to you guys all about that uh, tomorrow on our show. It is going to be high. It's going to be loaded. I'll talk about the Kawhi Leonard trade. I have a lot of thoughts about that. We'll talk Lakers. We're going to have some doozies of topics, okay? So thank you so much for listening. This is about the New York Giants. This is about Pat Shermer. This is about the reasons why they will win the NFC East. And I laid it out to you in this podcast. The defense is perfect. The defense is so exciting with James Betcher. Eli Manning's going to have a bounce-back season. Saquon's going to run behind Will Hernandez. He's going to run behind Solder. okay? Eric Flowers can improve at right tackle. I don't want John Jerry to win the right guard position. I want Omana or somebody from the Jacksonville Jaguars to come in, somebody from outer space, I don't know, Canada or somewhere, replace John Jerry on that offensive line because that's the one position I'm worried about. But it is going to be a great season, a 50-50 balance, finally on offense. And I will see you guys tomorrow. I am now going to leave the podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.